police in the morning. Welcome, B-Movie fans, to this week's episode of B-Movie Chat. This week, we'll be talking about martial arts films, specifically the fight scenes within martial arts films. We all know that fighting is awesome and solves all of life's problems. However, not all fight scenes or sequences are created equal. Some martial arts movies will feature very realistically choreographed fights that really bring the audience into the conflict. Other fighting scenes go for less realism and purposefully exaggerate their fighting sequences, either for comedic or plot-related reasons. Then, others are simply poorly choreographed due to lack of sufficient funds or sheer incompetence on the part of the filmmakers. Either way, there are many different approaches to take when it comes to fighting sequences that could either work really well or really poorly, and everyone has their own personal preference. So today, we will be discussing what makes or breaks a fight scene. Joining us today, we have filmmaker Michael Wirth, Matthew from Cinema Bushido, and returning again from Cinemania.com is Fuzzy Michael. Mike, Matthew, Fuzzy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you all for joining. So, fighting scenes, always a fun topic to talk about. Figure um, what I figure the best way to start is what would you guys say is your favorite uh, martial arts film? Um, let's start with uh, Matthew. Um, my favorite martial arts film. That's pretty easy. It's uh, it's Enter the Dragon. Um, Enter the Dragon. It, it's because it also has my favorite fight sequence. But it was the first time I ever saw the the fight sequence in particular. Um, we've all seen it, I'm sure. But Bruce is going against O'Hara and. As a kid, I had no idea what was going to come. You know, O'Hara was built up as this big bad, and he seemed really imposing, and he had a scar on his face, and he looked so awesome. And we knew Bruce was pretty good, but we didn't know what level Bruce was going to bring it to that scene. And the way the scene plays out, they line up, you know, in competition fashion, and they they put their wrists against each other, and you know, in this tournament style. And before O'Hara can move a muscle, he's been hit in the face. And this happens repeatedly to the point that he completely loses his shit to the to the point that he has to be put down by Bruce. It was absolutely glorious. Nice. <laughs> All right. um, Mike, what about you? What's your favorite um, fighting movie? Well, Matthew described my as a growing up as a kid. One of my probably would be End of the Dragon as well. But if I was going to have to just to mix it up, I would say my second favorite is one called The Hot, The Cool, and The Vicious. And uh, it's a Chinese-made martial arts film by Lee So Nam. Uh, it stars Dan Tao Lang and Don Wang Dao, and it's Tommy Lee. It's this great, great, great um, uh, sort of Chinese remake of The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And uh, it's just the martial arts, and it's just amazing. I must have saw it three or four times in the theaters. And uh, just uh, can't get enough of it, man. I, I pull it out every four or five months and just have to watch it again. It's great. Very cool. All right, Fuzzy, what about you? Uh, my favorite would have to be a more modern one, sort of, this Ong Bak. Like, I think I've seen Ong Bak, the Thai warrior, probably 10, 15 times. Every year I do watch it. Like, I just can't get enough. Sometimes late at night, like, it's just the thing. I just want to put on that second fight in the club when he has to, when he gets ambushed and has to go through the, the gauntlet of increasingly more powerful opponents. Like, just that sequence alone uh, I have to go through and just watch over and over and over again because it's just stunning to me. I, I love in Ong Bak when he has to fight the American and the, all the American does is just throw shit at him. 
Like he doesn't actually yeah. fight him <laughs> as in like the other characters. He just he just starts throwing everything from the bar at him. What's too much kill? Yeah, well, What's it's it's one of those things that goes like, you know, you know, all these all these Asian people, they know how to fight. Americans don't know how to fight. They just, you know, they just throw shit or they use weapons. They they're not honorable or whatever. Yeah, there's some truth to that. You know, some of the movies do kind of <laughs> portray it that way. What about you, Corey? What's your favorite martial arts film? Um, I I would have to say, um, and it is it is a more modern one because my my martial arts uh, repertoire is not that big, but uh, Kung Fu Hustle. There you go. Oh I, yeah, it, it has my favorite fight scene in it, which is uh, between the musicians and the uh, the masters of. Um, what's the place called? Um, whatever alley, Pigsty Alley. And yeah, that was a glorious scene. Yeah, that's right. It's a good movie. Bruce Lang is in that. When it came came back to making movies for to do that. I don't know if you've seen Shaolin Soccer, but if you like that film, Stephen Chow's film is another. It's another great one. Paul, which what's your favorite? Uh, there was a movie we saw not long ago. I think it was called like Heroes of the East or something like that. It was by the Shaw oh. Brothers. Uh, yeah, that one was really cool because it was um, a Chinese um, f- um, Shaolin fighting all these Japanese uh, fighters and just like the different styles that they'd fight against him and how he'd have to ch- how he'd have to like change the style in each one. I I really liked that one. I thought that was really cool. So as far as um, fighting scenes go, do you guys think that a fight scene is supposed to be realistic to be good? Uh, what are your opinions on that? Um, let's start with um, with uh, Mike. What do you think on that one? Uh, I actually don't think so. I think that, I mean, I think what makes a fight scene interesting is just being unique and different because, you, you know, you've, and, I, and it's it's tough because you, you go through these trends, you know, there's a time where people just love to see the very classical sort of highly trained skill of, you know, you watch something like Drunken Master 2 where it's very stylized and everybody, everybody's doing these amazingly choreographed routines. And you pull out like the first time Seagal came along and he started doing his Aikido. Nobody had ever seen it before. You know what I mean? It was very different and unique. And then now you've got like we were talking about with Ong Bak, you have, you know, this variation on the Muay Thai fighting style, um, you know, obviously well executed by Tony Jaa. But it's I think I think as long as you're you're looking for unique rhythms, unique um, choreography, because uh, to be honest with you, when. I think to this day, if, if I see a fight scene that's being done and it's still got all this, and we see it all the time, you know, where the guy gets drunk, jumps out of a, or a girl jumps out of a, off a roof or lands from a kick or a fight and kind of drops into that low Hong Kong styled stance with, you know, the one hand out and the other, he's just kind of seen it enough times, you know what I mean? It sort of draws you back out. So I would say what, for me, to summarize what makes a good fight scene is, is just trying to be unique and, and, um, and surprising the audience. Anyone have anything to say on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of with him. That doesn't matter whether it's realistic or whether it's it's like a heightened reality because there's room for everything to be interesting. I mean, whether it's something that's it's a hyper realistic fighting style, um, like like in Haywire, which is totally not a normal you know uh, uh, kung fu martial arts movie. It's just more like an American style action movie. But they use really great, realistic-style martial arts in that. Gina Carano, who used to be an actual like uh, MMA fighter, is in there, and she's fighting Michael Fassbender in, in this amazing sequence in a hotel room. That's super gritty and down-to-earth, and they're just beating the, the hell out of each other. 
or you go to something like the matrix where it's really big and overblown and it's wire foo and they're doing insane things that no human being could ever do. They're both great. I mean, there's no, there's no reason that you have to, you know, keep it realistic to be good. Uh, it can be anything as long as it's consistent. And as long as it tells a great story, it's, it's going to be entertaining. And I'll throw a little, shade there not much but i like fight scenes all my favorite ones are the ones that are within the realm of possibility um you brought up uh seagal earlier um and i liked his early one his early movies probably like the first four or even five everyone hates him now i I, if i even see him show up (laughs) as a picture i want to hit him myself but but when he started there was something so neat about watching his style it was real it was authentic and if you watch him now um I, I did a I did a podcast where there was this joke. Uh, it was this Beauty and the Beast podcast where I I did this joke that I didn't watch Beauty and the Beast. I went to watch Belly of the Beast, which was this uh, 2003 <laughs> Steven Seagal movie. It was when he started to get overweight and he was out of shape, and it was such such shitty fight scenes, such shitty fight action because he was he wasn't doing any aikido and when he'd punch somebody he would just kind of show his fist pop up bruce lee style and the guy would fly 50 feet across the room and it was so unbelievable and just so bad that they just yeah i like i like real something like that or um, one of my favorite movies is the original ip man where he doesn't take a lot of hits and that's not the point of it but you get to watch that wing chun style and i find it just thrilling there was a movie I saw recently on Netflix, and when I say recently, I mean like three years ago, that was uh, starred C- Steven Seagal and Ving Rhames as rival crime lords, and I was so disappointed that Ving Rhames and Steven Seagal never actually like fought like hand-to-hand in the movie. Because when, I, when I see Steven Seagal, like, I'm like, okay, so, someone's got to be like, there's got to be a fight. But no, it was, it was just gunplay, and I'm like, I'm like come on, St- Steven Seagal and Ving Rhames, like, that would just, it would just be hilarious like, to no what degree. The- yeah, he forgot what made him, and it was that. It wasn't that he was cool or thin. In fact, he was he was kind of an ugly guy. You know, he wasn't great, but he brought something authentic to the screen. Well, yeah, I mean, it's being an interesting point. It's not even about like his his body type because like look at Samuel Hung. You know, I mean, that guy's older and fatter than Seagal, <laughs> and he's still as as entertaining as ever to watch. If you saw him in The Bodyguard, it's you know a recent movie he did, which was pretty good. You know, I mean, it was, but it was still watching him was just you just couldn't keep your eyes off him when he started to do his fight scenes. You know, Michael, um, you were dead on with that. That I that was what I was thinking of before I even started down the Seagal um, thing, the that path. Samuel Hung in particular, all of his scenes, he's believable, even though he is the funniest looking guy. I mean, he looks like one of the Three Stooges or something. But (laughs) when he brings it, it is delightful, right? He does the Samo kick and the guy flies across the room and it still feels real. And uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, and in fact, we just talked to him uh, this, this last week for our, the documentary we were doing, and he was uh, he was in Hong Kong at the film market. Just I mean, it just closed up. I think today actually, and um, he's got a, he's doing a film called I think it's called Return of the Lucky Stars, which is returning to the the old characters he did with Jackie Chan and Yun Bu back in the day, the Lucky Stars series. He's going to do a new one apparently. Very cool. That'll be it. I love all that. I mean, they all came up together in that uh, in that drama academy and that opera in that opera school. Uh, yep. The thing they were raised from really young age to be able to perform, and someone like Steven Seagal wasn't. I mean, he was <laughs> he in adulthood. 
he was uh, what did he do? He was a bodyguard for somebody or whatever, and they decided, oh well, he'd he'd be a really interesting action star. Let's let's put him into a movie. And then next thing you know, like his second movie, I think he wrote. Like they just sort of gave him free reign, and because he had so much power in Hollywood so quickly and never really had to struggle, I think that's why he sort of got lazy really fast and and sort of got away from doing what made him and got away from from doing what made him interesting. Whereas Sammo Hung will never get away from that. Sammo Hung, Jackie Chan. Uh, Yuan Bao, like you said, all these guys, Corey Yen, they all came up together and they understand, like, from a young age, all they've known is performing. And so that's all they're yeah. able to do, deliver a, a phenomenal experience, um, whether it's comedy or whether it's straight action or, or whatever. I mean, they've given us a, a really wide berth of things, uh, whether it's, you know, several of them have, have helped create the Transporter, uh, the Man with the Iron Fists. Some of them have been an It Man and stuff, like Shanghai Noon. Like, they've all, like, branched out and managed to have these far-reaching, you know, tentacles that affect all of action cinema for the last 30, 40 years. Yeah, good points. Real good points. What would be the worst fight sequence that each of you has ever seen? Uh, we, we can start with, with Fuzzy here. The worst ones, I have a tendency to, to try to forget. I mean, don't, isn't that what we all try to do? You try to forget your worst relationships. You try to forget your worst movies. You try to forget your worst fight scenes. I mean, there's there's famously some in B movies where it's just like a guy just walks around and like lazily karate chops somebody and they fall down. And I just sort of try to block that stuff out. I'll tell you that the two things I hate the most, the two biggest sins in fight scenes to me, um, are rapid cuts and shaky cam. Uh, when it's if this isn't a music video, I think that fast cutting and rapid camera movement are just cheap tricks that are being employed to artificially give the scene a kinetic energy that it otherwise lacks. Or maybe to add some like oomph to the hits, or to add some extra, you know, gotta make it seem like they're actually hitting hard. But I got news for you: if the two combatants beating the shit out of each other isn't energetic enough on its own, then you need to either get better actors or get a better fight choreographer. Because when you're, you know, shaking the camera so much that it obscures the action and everything's shaky and blurry and I can't see a damn thing, then it's a bad fight. Oh yeah, dead on, dead on. It's terrible. Mike, what what else makes a bad well, fight sequence? Uh, you know, I mean, I think, I think again, we kind of go back to what was making a good one, which is is sort of re retracing. Like, how many times have you seen certain fight scenes? You just almost go, that piece was from this movie, that piece was from that movie, and there's a a sense of stolen choreography that you see repeated mm -hmm. i think that you know especially if you've seen but even if you take that away for a minute and just imagine that you've only seen a fight this fight scene for the first you know it's the only fight scene you've ever seen you know i think one of the things as you guys were talking about is is how you shoot it you know because uh, the way you film fight scenes can make sometimes the most simplest of moves look 10 times better or 10 times worse um and it also comes obviously to the the performers, you know, and the, or or stuntmen, whoever's you know doing it. Um, and I and I, so I would guess, you know, I mean, just in a nutshell, I would just say choreography and and uh, uh, cinematography that that make a big difference. But again, you know, there's so many factors; it's it's hard to pinpoint. I, I think some of the worst scenes I've ever seen have been in actually Chinese martial arts films because you sometimes get some of these guys that are really not very talented martial artists and because it's a, a chinese made martial arts film the fights go on for a long time so you watch these guys club each other for 5 minutes where in an american film it's a bad fight scene it might be over in you know 20 seconds you know but uh, when you watch a bad chinese made martial arts film they go on forever <laughs>
Yeah, so I um I've never liked the unmatched uh, fight scene. Um, I'm thinking like right away. Um, well, when I first thought of it, I was thinking Highlander. If you look at Highlander two, we got Connor McLeod versus Michael Ironside's character that just pissed me off because you know we go from we go from the Kurgan, who's the most badass motherfucker ever, and it was really something to fight against to that, and then we eventually get to Mario Van Peebles, you know, as like another fake Kurgan. But then um, Commando, I was thinking of whoever the bad guy was in Commando with Schwarzenegger, like I Brian Wells. Okay, yeah, at the end of that, those two, I'm like Arnold against this like pudgy looking army guy <laughs> like did i miss them and he and, and the thing is he was so there's an interesting example he was so effective in the road warrior but then by the time he did commando you were like who is this guy <laughs> right yeah 100 <laughs> percent. but then um this may not be a popular opinion in fact i know it's not because it's such a classic trope but i don't like it and chuck norris is who comes to mind that does it the most often but it's the back and forth in the big final battle he has to take a bunch of licks and give a bunch of licks to take some more licks before he finally is victorious at that last moment and we can all applaud it's not my jam like how would you know that they're equal unless you know they have an equal amount of hits taken it's like okay yeah. i get it and then and then Chuck just has that little bit more Chuck in him that he's able to, oh, you know, the roundhouse of all roundhouses or a, a, neck, a neck crack or something. And you're like, it's over. Like, yeah. if I wanted to watch this shit, I'd turn on WCW Monday Night Nitro. Like, 100%. <laughs> but it actually, I'm going to go into the wrestling references today, too, because I just, like, I think that storytelling in a movie is the same as storytelling in something like pro wrestling. Oh, so it's really sort of draw those parallels. I mean, you're trying to, there's a psychology to it where you're trying to elicit an emotional response in the audience without dialogue and without sort of relying on those, on those easy things. You're trying to, to, to get them to actually, uh, uh, you know, you have to have a face and a heel one trying to give the audience what it wants, like cool moves and a satisfying finish. The other one trying to take it away like beating the, the face by any means necessary, even if it means cheating. There's a psychology involved with, with playing with people's emotions. They're toying with us. There's an effect you get from slowly and effectively ramping up the violence with occasional high spots and then realistic threats to the protagonist. I mean, the most obvious one that sort of seems like a wrestling match in an actual movie is Rowdy Roddy Piper fighting Keith David in, in They Live. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a street fight. It's literally a wrestling match. In an that was a great scene. It's amazing. It's wonderful. And I'll just, I'm going to keep throwing and peppering just wrestling stuff constantly because I watched more of that than I do a movie. P Paul just recently <laughs> saw They Live for the first time, like last week, was it? It was a magical moment. I, I love that film. It's so hilarious. be a word to uh, watch that. Anything oh. with Roddy Roddy Piper in it is just um, amazing. Like, it's, mm. I, I, I love him in movies. And uh, I love when, when he appears in uh, in the show. It's, well, when he, when he used to appear, you know, uh, bless his soul but uh when he when he used to appear in uh it's always sunny in philadelphia as the uh what was his character the the maniac yeah that was it and did, have you ever seen the wrestling episode of it's always sunny in philadelphia anybody oh god yes oh mm -hmm. <laughs> i love Frank it is the trash man wearing the andre the giant singlet throwing around the, the garbage can the three guys come down to the ring with like the, the wings on yeah the, oh it's ridiculous the, the eagles and they, they start calling and shit and then <laughs> the the tally bum and he throws throws the sand in their eyes and 
Like that, that might be one of the worst fight sequences I've ever seen, and it might be one of the best at the same time because it's just too hilarious. And then everyone, everyone just cheers for for Frank at the end. Of course. Well, it's awful, but it's satisfying. And then, like at that point, like well, at least it did its job, right? It entertained you. Like even if it's not technically or expertly choreographed, it's great. Well, that's um. Have has anybody seen the Mortal Kombat Legacy season one and season two? Uh, no, is that the one Michael's in and Tomo? Are they in that? Um, it was the one that was like so, yeah. internet made. My white is in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's right. Yeah, he's in that. Uh, yeah, no, I haven't seen it yet. I just uh, I just remember when they were doing it, but I haven't seen it. Okay, because the, the first season, like the the choreographing and everything is really good, and the fights are amazing. And then you get to the second season, and it just feels like everything is so. I mean, it's the same director same choreographer and everything but you can tell like everything is rushed and because of that like everything suffers especially the, the fight scenes because they set everything up so beautifully in the first season and um it just kind of you know because of production value everything fell to the wayside just to get it out is what it looks like yeah it's tough on tv sometimes i i was when i was doing um acapulco heat i i remember at the time the first season, they had they came up to me and they said, "Look, we because of the their sales to I don't know if it was France or different some different territories they were selling to." They said, "We can't have you kick people in the head." It's, <laughs> it's something they don't show on TV. So I was like, "Okay, I can I can kick them in the stomach and I punch them in the head. I just can't kick them in the head." And it was like, "Yeah, you, you can't." So I had had this first dynamic thrown at me. Then I was over there dealing with the the, the company at the time was using some fairly old school stunt guys that had been around since you know the the 70s and, and 60s that was meaning they've been around since earlier than that but that was when they were last i think really working and then they had these uh the mexican stuntmen that were coming on and it was trying to pull us all together and have our two cents in to do a fight scene under under the kind of constraints of a, a timeline that a tv show has it was really difficult <laughs> you know so I can imagine sometimes with those shows, it, it can get a little bit that way because films will sometimes allocate a fair chunk of time to do an action sequence, but TV, it's like we got you know three hours to get it done, so let's go. <laughs> that's, that's a really valid point because, like, uh, you know, as you guys know, like Godzilla is one of my things. When Godzilla had a TV series in the, the early 80s or late 70s or whatever it was, a cartoon series, they said, well, they can't breathe fire because that's too scary. Uh, you can't let them <laughs> That's too scary. Uh, we kind of just want him to like not fight things because that's too scary. But if he just sort of swoops in and beats up a bad guy at the end, that's cool. And so that's how you ended up with like Godzuki just like whistling for Godzilla to come in and save the day, and then everyone hates it. But it's like that sort of thing happens because they're trying to you know please the the sponsors and make sure that the ad revenue is still coming in. I mean, it's very real on their end from a business perspective. They have to do those things. They have to protect the bottom line, but. Sometimes it does cause things to suffer because thinking about great fight, fight sequences, I tell you, not a single one came to my mind from TV. They all came from film. It kind of mm. reminds me of in the uh, 90s, they had um, this whole thing where cartoon characters weren't allowed to punch each other. So you had like this Spider-Man cartoon where they're just like throwing each other around and basically dancing like in between buildings. Like this is ridiculous, like looking back on it. But they weren't allowed to punch each other. So it's like, all right, well, we'll just 
kind of throw each other, sort Which of. Which is funny, because that, that Spider-Man cartoon series actually had, like, the Punisher guest star in a couple episodes, and it's like, how can you have the Punisher in a, ser- in a TV show or anything where he can't be violent? That just makes yeah, absolutely like, no sense. Didn't, didn't they give him, like, a blaster <laughs> instead of a gun or something like that? Like, um, uh, didn't that he like use, like, like tranquilizer like, darts or something? Yeah. Like, oh, man, you really knocked him out with that tranquilizer. <laughs> like, yeah, we shot him in the face. He stopped getting up. I mean, I get why they're doing it. It's because it's imitatable for children and they don't want kids to become violent. Like, I remember when I saw the first Mortal Kombat movie in 1995 or whatever, I was probably 12 or 13 years old. I mean, I left the theater doing punches and kicks and trying to pretend like I was uh, trying to pretend like I was the character from the movie. Like, it's one of those things you do want to imitate it because it looks cool. You don't necessarily comprehend at that age, like, well, you can't do it to a person because it would hurt. But, I mean, you do want to imitate that stuff. So I get why they're that way. But, but right. yeah, like, like, I'm an adult who wants to watch cartoons. Like, give me some violent cartoons already. Well, so, I mean, I remember my brothers and I when I was, you know, five or six, and they were, you know, 10 and 11. And uh, we would put all, put all the couch cushions on the ground, and we, we would have fucking wrestling matches in the middle of the living room and shit. And it was, it was the greatest. I mean, none of, us, none of us killed each other, obviously. I'm still alive. I mean, but, you know... I just, it, yeah, it's one of those things. It's imitatable and it's fun and it's what kids want to do if they see it. But you know, yeah, I don't know. Just have a little faith in kids. I think that's part of the problem. Well, I think like you'll every so often you'll hear a case where like um, some kid like clotheslined another kid and like, accidentally killed him. So I think it's like one of those things where it's like, well, we don't really want to be responsible for that. And Listen, they like, wanted the world championship belt. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it works. <laughs> oh, man. For the longest time, um, it was actually illegal to show um, both throwing stars and uh, nunchucks in the UK. So there are all these yeah, copies right. going. <laughs> yeah, there are all these copies going around where just all that stuff is cut out, or they'll put something else in, you know, someone's hand. It's it's so cheesy. But I was what made me think of that is who. Whoever was saying that they wanted to leave and start beating people up, I mean, I felt that a thousand times, right? Yeah, finish a fight scene, you're like, damn, that makes me want to hit some. But yeah, throwing stars were so prevalent where I lived. Every kid had one, and we always, somebody always got poked somewhere with it, you know. <laughs> somebody always got something yeah. nice throw in the back or something, you know. Well, I mean, like, I, I hear my uh, my elders talk about, you know, when, when they were our age, and, you know, they had the, the metal BB guns, and they would, you know, run around town like you know hop like climb up the trees and shoot each other and you know hey one guy's like hurt? yeah my, yes. my cousin still has a bb lodged between his you know his middle finger and his ring finger on his left hand like from you know <laughs> when he was 10 years old ouch you know? well before when you guys were talking about like um wrestling kind of being like you know the way movies work where they have the drama and all that for some reason, the film that immediately came to mind was that fight scene in Rocky Five, where he's fighting um, I Tommy Gunn or something like that, and like he's just randomly in a street fight. Like <laughs> I, that one was like, there's there's a reason why that's like the least popular Rocky film. I always thought, even though it's the one that had the um, only actual like non-boxing fighting. But like, yeah, I think like half the time when they have like a plot behind it. it if it's too dramatic it doesn't really work i mean it wasn't a bad fight but it's just like come on why is rocky now a street fighter 
I actually, it's funny. I went to a advanced, uh, like a work print version of that film when I was in LA. I, I got to go see this uh, before it came out, and um, it was interesting because it was a very. They had that sequence was very different. They they went back in and they recut it and they re the original version of it was done very uh, like kind of realistic. You know, um, it didn't have. He wasn't seeing those those like flashes of mickey you know there was like these mickey pops in he's like saying things to him so that was that was different and they actually had a scene earlier in the film which is hilarious where, where stallone goes into a like a bar or something and he's getting drunk and he's talking about uh, he does this whole monologue about how he made this pancake that was so big that when he threw it up in the air and it came down and hit him and knocked him out <laughs> i mean it was <laughs> it was it was the craziest thing ever, but that I remember that when that movie came out and I saw it again, whatever it was, so many months later, they had really revamped that last fight scene. And I think somebody told me that that original fight scene that I saw is somewhere on YouTube. If you look up Rocky Five original ending or something, you can find it. Nice. Did you, did you feel that it was better originally or was it better when it was recut, re-edited? I actually kind of like the original in the sense that it, it felt more like the first movie. It's kind of like the way the Rocky Balboa ended up being a little more sort of, had a little more grit and realism to it. It was a little less played for sort of that sensationalism that film did. And it's always hard to explain. I always think that's a great example. I think all the people... You get into all the Rocky movies for different reasons, but that one always is kind of like nobody's really favorite. Like even Rocky Four, which is crazy. Ivan Drago, Dolph is this nutty, like steroid robot that was so reflective of the 80s, you know, and that sentiment there at that time. Yeah, and then you compare that to the original and then the new one. And, and so they all have such different sort of different vibes to them. But for some reason, that five just, it doesn't always, it just doesn't resonate. And I don't, and I, I, I always, you know, as a filmmaker myself, I sometimes I try to ask, like, why? What is it? Because why? I'm sure when they went in to make it, they were thinking this is going to be the best one, you know. But it's just, uh, it's an interesting take on it. Yeah, for sure. I read recently, um, uh, we just did a, a, an episode on Predator, that um, the original script for Predator, that it was, it was being pitched as a sequel to the, to the first Rocky you know, it was this. It was another one. What? It was the idea that Rocky would have to fight an alien, and you know, the drugs that be out there in the Hollywood producers. Um, you know, that sounds like something we do on hypothetical movies here. I really wish it was a real film now. <laughs> like, well, they actually were almost going to do um, the sequel to the Last Rambo. He was going to do another one, and now they're talking. They're, I guess, they're into this TV series idea with it. But he was going to do one where, you know, because in the last one he comes back home and finds his father or whatever it is, he gets called back. It's a, there's a book called Hunted, and it's an older book from like the 80s or 90s. But they were going to redo that book where Stallone has to go after this genetically modified creature as Rambo, you know. Wow. <laughs> so nice. it sounds like they were almost going to do that with Rambo. I love that, man. Well, yeah. Did, yeah. Um, what was it? Um the um, the gladiator. Um, they were originally supposed to make a sequel for that, where his spirit goes through time and fights through all these time periods and things like that. I remember reading about that and like, you've got to be kidding me! Like, no, like, now I just now I'm just thinking like the Expendables four, where they fight aliens and and ghosts and right. through time like Expendable, Expendables against oh, the ex universe. Expendables yeah. versus aliens. Yeah, it looks like um, Michael's. Not going to be able to, to join back up, so we'll see if he if he's able to come back 
yeah. or, or not. But I could try to add him from my side. I don't know how that affects you guys. I mean, I just hit the plus here. I don't know. Up to you. Yeah, doesn't matter. Um, we'll hopefully we'll be able to get him back. But like, um, oh yeah, yeah. If you don't mind, just trying to like get him to get him to join it. Or we'll see how it works. If it if it goes, it goes. See if he's okay to come back or. I do have to say one thing about fighting films that really annoys me is, um, and this isn't, it's not even in fighting films necessarily, but fighting scenes is when somebody's attempting to punch somebody and it's real obvious that they're nowhere near hitting them and they cut, the way, the way it's filmed, like, it, it's like they weren't even trying to make it realistic. Like, if it's done as a joke, it's kind of funny, but, like, um, we were watching uh, about a year ago a movie called Intruder. And the yeah. fight scenes are just ridiculous. <laughs> like, um, they'll punch, like, way far away. The guy will go flying back, and they'll just stumble, upon, like, over each other. And it's the most ridiculous thing. But it was a horror film, and I'm like, um, I, I, this is the most unintense scene I've ever seen in my life. But, yeah, that's, um, if played for laughs, that can go really well. But if um, otherwise, not so much. Yeah, so annoying. Um, in fact, something, um, uh, just a little factoid about Bruce Lee is he would intentionally get people from, um, like, let's say in uh, in The Big Boss, um, he got guys from local dojos and stuff to come. He insisted that you be able to take a punch, and a lot of those punches connect. They may not have all the power behind them, but, you know, there's this sense of realism. You want to see people get hit, and, yeah, so um, all of Enter the Dragons that way. All of mo Almost everybody that you see, um, all those guys training, they're all martial artists in real life, and, yeah, they're all willing to take a hit. And I think it definitely like, shows, like, um, if somebody's actually getting hit and, like, they're just kind of faking it. Yeah, that's one of the things that really makes the the Tony Jaa uh, and, and Thai action movies in general so intriguing is that a lot of those ones from like the the 1997 to about 2005 2006 area they were like hurting stunt guys left and right and and part of the reason it took 18 months or 24 months to film a movie is they had to wait for people to heal because they were legitimately getting hurt on set uh, fighting each other. I mean they were trying not to not to beat each other up at full power but. They wanted it to look so realistic that they were willing to, to take elbows to the skull and things like that. And a lot of guys had to go out for broken arms or broken limbs or, or various other things. So, I mean, that's what makes The Protector and The First Ong Bak and a lot of those movies seem so real is that people are legitimately getting hit, um, even though they were always a, uh, a film troupe before for, for 20 or 30 years. They were very much like the, like the opera houses in in China that, that spawned Jackie Chan and, and Sammo Hung and guys like that, even though they were like that, they still wanted to make it look real on screen. So, you know, they didn't mind connecting. They didn't mind having some guys that actually took a hit. So uh, that's part of what makes those movies last is you watch them and you know, like that guy actually really got hurt. Definitely earning their paycheck. That's for sure. Yeah. That makes me uh, think of, I mean, I just love the raid rede redemption and, Talk about just like a very long. The whole movie is really just one long, very realistic fight sequence. Uh, it's it's a thing of beauty. Lots of real hits there, and uh, you feel the weariness by the time you you get to the end of that movie. Well, that's like it. When you say a movie that's a one long fight sequence, it makes me think of um, the Toxic Avenger Part Two, where he goes, <laughs> totally. he goes to Japan or China or wherever, and it's just. As soon as he gets there, it's just fight scene after fight scene. I love the beginning when all those people are coming out of the cars and like every everywhere, just like with different um, 
quirks. Like there's a guy in a, like um, a skirt. There's like a like a bunch of guys with like different weapons, and it's just this bizarre thing. But it's just amazing. That's awesome. One of one of the things that annoys me in fight scenes is uh, when it's like a group of guys and they're like all like surrounding this one person, and like everybody just kind of like takes their turn, like stepping into the middle and like attacking him instead of like several of them a, a lot of times i mean there are there are fight sequences where they do like a couple of them attack at once but you it's like be unfair you know everybody just takes their turn like stepping into the circle and, and you know taking their punch at him when they're like you know we're supposed to kill this person and um it just that just always annoys the shit out of me i'm like like come on we're teamwork work together and kill the motherfucker now like come on dog pile yeah. you just gotta go in there and just get at it no, I feel you, but it's it's one of those things where it's almost like an enhancement fight or an enhancement talent in something like wrestling, where they where they have like a jobber that's just his whole purpose is just to get squashed by the superstar. That's basically the point. They're just doing it in a movie where it doesn't have any logic. You're like, oh well, there's 25 guys and they're all gonna get their asses kicked by one dude. It's it's something just to put the one dude over, but it is. It lacks drama. I'm with you. I mean, there's very little actual drama in most fight scenes. You never think that Bruce Lee is about to taste defeat in the first 20 minutes of any movie. You never think that Jackie Chan is really going to get beaten by a jean jacket wearing thug with no name. Uh, you know that the outcome is going to be that the good guy prevails. So it takes a lot of talent to actually keep us engaged. Uh, that's what makes it all the more memorable when a film actually does a, a, does a good job of it. Like, they did it in, I don't even remember which Matrix movie, but they had all the Smiths fighting Neo at once. Yeah. And he was fighting off, like, 50 or 75 guys. And they did a decent job of actually making it feel like, you know, an, an interesting and intriguing fight, even though you, you knew the outcome, because it, it was only halfway through. But you still were, you know, sort of interested in it. You were engaged. And it it kind of makes me think of the uh, the first Batman with Michael Keaton, where, uh, you know, he's fighting all the Joker thugs in the alley. And the one guy with the swords is just chopping away, and he's like blocking, 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 and he you know punches him in the face. He falls down, and Bob, Joker's right hand man, just he just looks at him. He goes, "Fuck this shit," and just like walks away. He's like, he's like, <laughs> I know, my name's Bob. You really think I can take you down? No, like I'm out of here, dude. It's like one of this, um, one of the uh, red shirts from Star Trek or something like that. It's like you know, you're not gonna survive. Right. It's why I stopped watching superhero movies for the most part. I mean, any of the Avengers stuff, I mean, they're all safe. Nobody's going to kill Captain America and nobody's going to kill Iron Man. There's there's nothing at stake. Nothing at all. Yeah, uh, and yeah, people like that, right? They're like, oh, they're safe. Their, their heroes are going to be safe at the end of the day. It's not a big deal. But listen, I just watched uh, Into the Badlands, the first season of it. Cause it came oh, out yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, that was, I, I loved that. That was, uh, aside from Ip Man, uh, the Ip Man movies, that was some of the best, like, and most dramatic fight scenes that I, I've seen. It's so well done. It's just, it's just gorgeous. And it's, it's, it's bad because I just went from that to trying to watch the, uh, the Marvel Iron Fist series on Netflix. Right. Ugh. And, um, you know, I've, I've seen the other Marvel series on Netflix, and um, I am, I am pretty disappointed in Iron Fist where, like, for, for how the action sequences and the fights and everything are done in Daredevil to Iron Fist, which Iron Fist is a martial arts hero. Like, that's... And the, the fight sequences are just not very exciting or enthralling. There's no... Oh, it's so boring. And it, it, I'm like... 
I'm watching it because I, I want to know, like, does it get better? Does he get, you know, more? But it, at this point, it's like the bottom of my list on those Marvel Netflix. Yeah, I haven't heard anything good about that one. It's um, kind of disappointing. So, but really quickly, back to The Matrix. How did that make any sense if he really figured it out at the end of the first one? So now he controls the universe, which you would if you can really get over the fact that it's a spoon and it's not a spoon. So you can control everything that happens in your world with your mind. Why would it matter if there were a billion Smiths coming at him? You can just kind of think them out of existence. Well, that was the, the point with Smith was because Neo killed him or whatever in the first movie, he was a glitch in the system, and uh, he could no a mutated control program. the system. He, okay. yeah, he was a, he was a virus. program. Okay, all right. I missed that part, and it's because they all sucked after the first. I'm just going to stick with that story. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I agree. They they had their, their quirks and their good points, but overall, like... And I, I hate when trilogies do that, and when, when movie series do that, where it's like, the first one was good, so we're like, oh... Let's let's make more movies and we're gonna make a trilogy. And like the second movie, like takes place what like a year, two years, or, or so sometime in the future. And then movies two and three are like back to back. And I'm like, like no, no, this is bullshit. You left me off on a cliffhanger. I am not. And most of the time, I don't go back to the theater to see the third movie. I'm like, fuck you. You're not getting me money on that third movie. <laughs> These should be three independent movies. If it was that good of a movie, you wouldn't need to make split it into two. Like, you know. They, they do that, they did that purposely. It's, it's not like with, with Kill Bill where it was one movie and they split it into two. Like, it was initially supposed to be one movie where, like, you know, The Matrix or the fucking uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. Where, you it know, was, you, was... you see the second movie and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, this is going on and this is going on. And by the There's way, movie's here. over. And we're like, nope, I'm, I'm done with this shit. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah to, to the Kill Bill part... Um, yeah, it was like when watching Kill Bill 2 was really, like, you felt you got the stuff they cut. <laughs> the first one was so good, and it was so action-packed, beginning to end, it had so many great fight sequences. <laughs> but the second one, you're like, oh, this was all the extra stuff, the, the, yeah. the boring plot pieces that would have been in the first one. But, yeah, very yeah. interesting how they did that. That's what I've heard, but I've only actually ever seen the first uh, Kill Bill. It's, it's on my list to watch the second one, but I just never really get around to it. Every once in a while, Tarantino will um, do a screening of it in its all original form somewhere in L.A. where Michael Worth can go see it. And uh, yeah, and I guess it's a real treat to see it in its original glory. Um, But isn't it actually like sequential in its original thing where they I mean, they cut it up and put bits and pieces in each movie for the the edited version? Yeah, I don't know, but I I would really be interested in seeing the two and a half, three hours, whatever it is, uh, full I think, it's like, no. it's, I think it's like four and a half hours or something ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's the original like, it's like, vision. It's like sitting through an extended version of Lord of the Rings. I mean, except there's there's more action and yeah. less walking. <laughs> Are you a walker? Are you one of those people that sums up those movies with being too much walking? Um, I actually, I do enjoy the Lord of the Rings movies, but um, I, I, I mean, I couldn't read the books. They were just, there was just too much of nothing in the books, and the movies are kind of the same way. There's just a lot of nothing happening a lot of the time. Uh, when stuff happens, it's, it's good and it's great, and the scenery is amazing, but um, I, can, I can spend four and a half hours doing something a lot better. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah in, in general, going back to the, to the trilogy problem where they, they find a hit with the first one, so they decide they want to cash in with more... 
uh, I find the same thing happened with the Matrix that happened with Ong Bak. Ong Bak was popular, so was the Matrix. They decided, let's make two more. Let's make it a trilogy, because it, it feels good to do three of everything. And the second and the third movie progressively got worse because they focused more on the lore than they did on the action. The thing that actually made the movie interesting was the action. It wasn't Tony Jaa's love of friggin' elephants or the Buddha statue or anything. Like, I don't care. Like, what made it cool was he was elbowing people in the forehead. And so I just want to see more of that. But they sort of lost sight of it. Same thing happened with the, with the Matrix. The first one had probably five or six amazing set pieces. I mean, it opened with an action sequence where you didn't even know who the characters were. It was just this lady in black tight leather beating the crap out of cops. And then next thing you know, they're, you know, they're, they're breaking into like a big base and there's guns everywhere. And then they're karate kicking people up uh, near a helicopter. And then they're doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Like you get into it. And then the second and third movie, even though they had really cool set pieces there, they focused so hard on let's build the lore and let's make a bigger universe that you really got bored with it because you're like i don't care what's happening on some other ship i just want to know what's happening on the nebuchadnezzar i just want to know what's happening with lawrence fishburne and, and carrie ann moss and and uh whatever his name is keanu reeves that guy uh like i just care about those people i don't i don't care about all these other people i don't want halle berry in there like i don't need this um and they did the same thing with a lot of these movies like they want to cash in and so they rush it it took something like six or eight years to get the first matrix made they had to go and make another movie called Bound, the Wachowskis did, before they could make The Matrix, just to prove to the studios that they were worth their money. And uh, so it took six or eight years to develop that first one, and once they had the first one, suddenly the studios were like, turn it around, we want two movies in four years. And you can't do that. You can't spend eight years on one, and then develop two in four years and have it be just as good. You just can't. Sometimes time really does make things a lot better. And Go ahead, Paul. Uh, yeah, yeah, it seems like lots of times when they have a when they keep a film going, it's like, yeah, the world's just not that interesting that it takes place in, and it's like you already told a story, but you're just gonna keep telling it for reasons, I guess. Like, I find that a lot with the expanded stuff with Star Wars. Like, um, love the original trilogy, but then it's like, all right, are we gonna keep telling this? Like. I mean, I know a lot of people like all the expanded stuff, like the new things. But for me, it's like, all right, we already told the story. Like, I, I'm kind of, I'm good. I can move on to something else. I mean, yeah, if I, if I want to do like the expanded universe stuff on Star Wars, I'm gonna read something like Death Troopers, where fucking Han Solo is fighting zombies on a star yeah, destroyer. Like, completely like, completely ridiculous. Like, I love that book. It's it's so bad and so utterly ridiculous. But, uh, but yeah. Um, I really like. Walks Battle for Endor. I thought that was great. <laughs> but, only, only one. I watched it like ten times as a kid. I'm not even kidding. I had that on VHS. I loved it. There's there's another issue that I have. Like whenever something goes on for way too long, is where they kind of forget how like skilled or how powerful or how something you know one of these fighters is. And uh, one thing that specifically comes to mind is the the show Arrow. And um, it, it, during one of the seasons, because, you, you know, Arrow fights, you know, assassins and world class, you know, everything. And in one of these episodes, he's fighting a group of police officers. And, like, they all, like, are on par with him skill-wise. And I'm like, this makes absolutely no sense how these, like, common police officers... And it's it's not like, you know, it's, it's a dumbed-down fight sequence. It's like a... a hardcore fight sequence like when he's fighting fucking Ra Ra Ghoul, 
you know, these these cops are fighting on the same level as the the leader of the League of Assassins. And I'm just like, this this makes absolutely no sense. Like, like where did this come from? And they actually like come close to killing him. Like they actually stab him in the back and you know, so the one's got a knife to his throat and he's powerless and I'm just like, like did, did we forget who we're dealing with here? It makes perfect sense to me. Steven Seagal is a police officer, so you know, all these other guys are probably on his level. <laughs> just just one one boot away from, from destruction. Absolutely. It's called plot induced stupidity, so that makes it even closer to the comics. They do that in the comics all the time. It's just all of a sudden this guy can beat the Hulk even though the Hulk would have crushed him six months ago. It's all about whoever's writing it. It's gotta make it seem interesting. Pretty much, yeah. And then they've got where, like, there's always another person who, oh, nobody can rival this person except this person, who, whoever the villain in the next comic is going to be your movie. It's like, wow, this other person who has this power that we already said can't actually happen. But sure, let's just add more people with that. You know who they should get if, if Jason Statham ever stops doing the, um, the Expendables movies? You know who they should replace him with as their knife guy? Who's that? Danny Trejo. There you go. Because just Danny Trejo in any fight scene would be would be amazing. Well, didn't Danny Trejo start out as like um he helped train um people for uh, boxing? Films Danny or Trejo like that? was a uh, a champion boxer in prison. Yeah, then he like um, and then he got a job on set with um you know somebody who had known him from prison, and then they actually like used him for a fight like a, a boxing sequence or a fight sequence to like teach the guys, and then like they actually like used him at some point and then. Danny Trejo, the actor, was born. What was the name of his movie? Um, it's got, it gets got such an obvious name, and I'm surprised. I'm, I'm not. No, um, it's like badass, right? Or oh yeah, badass. Um, yeah, it was badass. I just loved that. It was he's it's the, such a dumb idea, but it was so much bus. fun. Well, yeah, it was a dumb exactly. Idea, but it was it was based on a true story. Like that's yeah. the best part. Like a, a movie based on a meme. <laughs> And it, yeah, it was just, and it's it was and a that's lot a movie fun. too. That there's there's three of them. I think they're working on the fourth one right now. I knew there was. You got it. Oh yeah, me. badass, badasses starring Danny Trejo and Danny Glover. Badasses on the Bayou, um, starring Danny Trejo, oh, Danny Glover, and I can't remember the third person, but it's it's another like like old actor that's like you know just you know they 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 beat the shit out of criminals, and that's a movie nice. where they they made three of them, but like. I love it because it's not, like, the first one, then the second and third one are, like, back-to-back. Back. Like, they all take place apart from each other. So it's like... No, I'll, I'll watch those. I didn't I didn't know they did anymore. I liked the first one so much. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah I'm so, it just didn't stay on my radar. It's badass, bad asses, and then bad asses on the bayou. That's I'm cool. on it. And then, like I said, I think they're working on a fourth one. Uh, which I'm still waiting on Machete... Machete uh, kills in space. <laughs> space that's makes everything be better. Definitely. They made Jason in space, so that's um, it's got to happen at some. After Machete goes to space, he's got to come back and go to the hood twice, like Leprechaun did. I mean, yeah. You go, you, you go to space, and then then you got to go to the hood, and then you go back to the hood because <laughs> you've been everywhere else. Just the the hood's got to have your presence. Anything else that, like, you think breaks um, fighting scenes um, or just makes a fighting scene really great? Like, um, any qualities in a fighting scene that, like, you think are essential to make it work? Or I, I have one comment on that real quick. And if, if it's live action, you cannot yell out 
the move's name when you do it. If it's a, if it's anime it or a cartoon, it, first? it works out perfectly. But just to see that in live action, someone yelling out the name of right the move, punch. like it just, kick. that ruins it for me. Like I, I love it in, in animation, but I hate it in live action. Um, I would throw out um, Bloodsport is one of my favorite like overall action flicks, and it's because first off, it's got that realism to every fight scene again, again, but it, it also brings all sorts of different weird styles together, even if they're super cheesy, like the monkey, and one of the main guys, Jackson, the dude from Revenge of the Nerds, he could have won. He could have been a contender. Uh, he was. He, he had no style at all except uh, Hulk smash. <laughs> and, you know, it, it was his own arrogance got the best of him. But yeah, a lot of fun. And it has one of those, like, instead of the Chuck Norris of the back and forth, Frank Duke stays a badass up to the end. And the only reason he's even put a little bit under is the, the cheating with the, the sand in the ice or whatever it happened to be. Great flick, though. Oh, definitely. Like I, I, that was one of those where I was really I was thinking about that all day today because it it takes a lot of of a lot of talent to keep us engaged in that fight because you sort of assume Jean Claude Van Damme is going to win the entire time, but Bolo Young is such a, a phenomenal, credible threat that oh, yeah. even though it might not be like a, a perfectly choreographed fight scene, like if you watch it from like a critical standpoint, you're thinking like you know does this all make sense? But it's very dramatic. Like, Bolo Young's a ruthless boogeyman who can and will literally murder you with his bare hands. And that just makes for such a phenomenal fight from a dramatic standpoint. I mean, oh, he's so gimmicky. Like, a, Yeah, like he's, a, so Im- he's so imposing, right? Like, I mean, he, no, I've never seen bigger pecs on a man than this <laughs> gigantic Chinese dude. I mean, it's crazy. You mean he has bigger yes. pecs than Terry Crews? <laughs> I think so. Oh, my God. Seriously. Like, yeah. Yeah, and he throws the powder in John Club Van Damme's eyes to blind him, just like the Kabuki mist. It's like straight out of a wrestling storyline, but in spite of its ridiculousness, it's still so so super effective. Like you really feel like, oh, okay, you know, this is this is one of those where you actually thought for a minute, for whatever reason, that that Jean Claude Van Damme was going to get his butt whooped, and it just oh, it works so well on so many levels. I mean, it, it sort of reminds me of like the Karate Kid in in that. It does, it's not a well choreographed fight scene. Like it's not the greatest martial arts at the end and the climax in the All Valley Karate Tournament. But you still feel for the protagonist because they have like sweep the leg. He's injured, and you know even though it's not expertly choreographed, it's dramatically climaxed, and so you remember it forever. Like no one's ever gonna forget the end of the Karate Kid with the crane kick. Like you're never gonna forget that. Hey, and another trilogy where they tried to do it again, right? Okay, this time it's the drums and the side-to-side punch. Like, that's a thing, right? Like, that's a thing. I'm going to punch from the right, then I'll punch from the left, just like the drums. Exactly, yeah. And then, well, they made a fourth one, too, with... Um, oh, right. Her name, but they made Hillary Swank. They made a fourth one with Hillary Swank as the karate kid. Yeah. Does it count when you lose the lead? No. Okay. It doesn't count. Different right. movie. Yeah, let's change the name. How hard is that? And there's, I just, there's one fight in particular that when we, when you said the word ridiculous came to mind, and that was um in Kick Ass at the end when Hit Girl is fighting the uh, the mob boss, and you got you know like what is like twelve year old Chloe Grace Moretz fighting this like forty year old man who's this you know <laughs> mob boss martial artist, and it's just like it, it makes absolutely no sense, but it's it it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. I love that. Well, that's good. Like you, you care about it because of all the stuff they've done building up to it. Like at least you care about it. Like 
it is ridiculous. Like a seventy-five pound girl fighting a grown man. Like this is not going to work out well for you. But What's, one of it is another, one of my favorite action sequences of all time is when Hit Girl kills all the guys. Like when she first gets up at the top of that elevator, and that's one of the few movies where I will I will put it on and just like go to that scene, watch that like two minutes, and be done with it. Like there's not many movies I'll do that with like that and Kung Fu Hustle. Um, for for the uh, the musician fight scene, but like anything else, like I I will n- I don't do that with any other movies. She's so funny. She's kind of like giggling, and she's so happy. <laughs> there's such a there's such a joy in her. Like, look, I'm like you. We're doing this together. It's just so much murder. It's beautiful. Definitely, I've I've done that so many times too with Kung Fu Hustle specifically because like every time. You know, I meet a new friend or whatever, and I'll, I'll, at some point, two in the morning, I'll be drunk, and I'll be like, you don't understand. We gotta put on Hustle. We're gonna watch this. You've never seen this? You have to see this. And I'm just like, see? And they don't care. But I'm like, see? You have to You have to witness the beauty that is Kung Fu Hustle. And I'm like trying to force it on people. This guy's trying to get a giant frog. <laughs> you guys ever see um, Kung Fury? It's uh, the short film. Uh, it's on Netflix. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that one's a lot of fun just because of how like unrealistic everything is. Like he flips the car with the with the skateboard, and then he's fighting dinosaurs and Nazis, and it's just complete. I just love how ridiculous how Hitler shoots through the phone. <laughs> like amazing. when I I was a kid, I literally thought on TV shows and movies you could kill someone through the phone because I don't know when it was, but I saw a movie of some kind. Where a guy picks up the phone and another guy does something electronically or whatever to kill him. I thought you could literally do that when I was like five years old. I thought that the phone could kill you. I was, yeah, I really did. So when I saw that in in Kung Fury, I was like, ah, oh, see, someone else, someone else believed. Doesn't does, like, Freddy Krueger do that at one point? Yeah, like, kill like, somebody through a phone, like reaches out through it, something like that. Yeah. Any any uh any last comments or uh on this guys? No, this was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, I mean, yeah, terrific. What great subject matter there. Makes me really excited to go watch something very kick-ass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very soon. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what about you, Fuzzy? Any uh, last words on this? Or? I agree with him. I'm going to be putting on Iron Monkey or something like that tonight. But in my mind, there was like probably five aspects that we figured out make a great fighting sequence to try to tie it back to the gimmick of what we were doing tonight. Um, one is that like they have to be sort of interesting. Are they different sizes or use different fighting styles? Is it speed and cunning versus brute strength? Um, that that matters in a fight in a fight sequence. Uh, are there very real stakes? Is this to the death? Is this to win a tournament or is this to save the whole world? That matters. Um, the pace of action. You know, is this a kung fu fight, a gun battle, a wrestling match? Like we have to know as the audience. And then, like, let the combat tell a story, man. Like, reduce the fast cuts and the zooms and the shaky cam, and just let me see the fight. I think the best fight sequences, especially people like Bruce Lee, uh, were, were just single camera, one shot. You see two guys going at it. I think that makes for a great fighting sequence altogether. Definitely. I think it matters if, like, the, the fighters actually know martial arts and things like that. If, like, they're just kind of, like faking it I think um, I mean obviously they're not actually hurting each other but like if they don't really know what they're doing I think that definitely shines through and it definitely makes it not nearly as good as um, it normally as it would otherwise just the, the last thing I have to say is if, if you love fighting you love wrestling 
and you love monster movies, you have to check out the 2011 film Monster Brawl, which is done in the style of a wrestling pay-per-view, which is, you know, it, with fighting scenes, that's just people in monster costumes. Nice. With, we'll check it out. With Jimmy Hart as one of the commentators, I believe. In the so, mouth of the yeah. South. Uh, so before we go, um, you guys always want to uh, mention uh, your... Um, like Fuzz, if you want to mention your uh, website, and um, Matthew, if you just want to mention your uh, podcast, um, you can um, just um, plug a little bit, and then we'll um, we'll call it from there. Cheap plug time, yeah. Go to cinemania.co, and we talk about crappy B movies and cult films and crap like that. Go to at real cinemania on Twitter. I tweet way too much every day, and it bothers my girlfriend. And yeah, that's all for cinemania. Cool. And uh, yeah, um, Cinema Bushido. Uh, it's pretty easy. Uh, cinemabushido.com, and I'm at Cinema Bushido on uh, Twitter. We're an uh, action movie podcast for the most part with a pretty heavy slant into uh, ancient Japan, uh, lots of samurais. Um, we just hit a year, um, I think 24, or I guess, yeah, something close to that episodes we go every two weeks. But check it out if you're into that kind of thing. Very cool. Thank you, Matthew and Fuzzy, for being with us. We lost Mike about halfway through, but I, I want to extend a thank you to him as well. And uh, we hope to talk to everybody again soon. Thanks a lot. So thank until you. next time, friends, be brave, be alive, and be back for more. Yeah, we, hey, hey.